Coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. The leading theory is that extraterrestrial spacecraft is what is lighting up our skies at night. Right. But when the whole phenomenon began, there was a competing idea that these were biological life forms. There were so many reports of conscious atmospheric creatures. It seems like such an out there idea, but at one point it was right there with everything else. With everything else. With everything else. There's an incredible story where this thing comes down out of the sky and then it stops and hovers and it's almost like it's on fire. And then it unleashes these golden tentacle-like things and puts holes into people's apartment windows. This is documented. What? This is right. You think you would have heard of the story. The story. The story. The question again that people would ask when you're discussing giant monsters that live in the sky, why aren't we seeing evidence of these things? That's what everyone asks me when I talk about it with people. (laughs) They had a panel on CNN, I think, about this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I heard Wolf Blitzer saying, Where are these evidence of these sky creatures? What should we know? about the angel hair. Anderson? <laughs> 20 years ago, there was... It's all real. The more I looked into this, the more I was like, am I actually starting to believe in sky creatures? You always have. Well, in my heart, I always have. But my brain is starting to agree with my heart. To me, it's completely plausible. Well, you believe in everything. Well, no, that's not true. Pretty much. Yeah. No, I'm open to everything. <laughs> there you go. But I don't believe in anything, really. And they couldn't confirm what the substance was. Their best guess? Regurgitated frog ovaries. What? Whatever's on the ground must be explained by the mainstream as something that came from the ground. What goes up must come down, and that's what it has to be. But maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't. Am I crazy? I didn't roll my eyes. You'll be safe, Chris, in your box of mainstream. How am I mainstream? Swim around mainstream jellyfish. Talk about sky bees. Yeah, oh, so dangerous. That's so controversial. I didn't roll my eyes. You practically rolled your whole body. (laughs) One of the theories about these things is that they exist in an invisible form until they go to feed. You've had blood fall out of the sky. Could be in this area that's five million times the size of our ocean, of which we are the bottom of. Could there be things that are living and digesting things up there? Maybe people. I'm not going outside anymore. Synchronicity, Sasquatch, Homunculus, Alien Races, Satanism in Hollywood, MK Ultra, Tartaria. There's like a whole. I've been watching this one guy. That, Close the door, injury. Close your door. What's the uh, inner Earth disagreements? Ghost Dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman, Bohemian Grove, Corey Feldman, Magicians are demons, Specters, Spirits, Sleep Paralysis, Strange Disappearances, Sky Whale Phenomena, yes. Alternative History, Shadow People. Shh, quiet, I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. Anunnaki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf Towers. I would never talk about it. That's old. Y2K. Cover ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. It's <laughs> a great face. Well, hello, hello, beliefings. Well, hello, hello. Nice to see you both again. It's good to be back in the hole. Sorry, I don't sound like my normal self. Jeremy is an imposter today. Yes. Yeah, he's going from sounding like he's dying to sounding like a, a much more confident man. <laughs> what? He went through puberty over the last week. Yeah, it's been a been a rough time lately, and I've been falling ill, and I'm now my voice has changed. <laughs> but it was temporary. I'm pretty sure. I'm just sick. It's the I'm winter. pretty sure. It'd be funny if it just stayed <laughs> it like stays that. Stays like this. I saw the guy from uh, Caravan to Midnight for the rest of my life. That'd be funny. I like that guy. He's great. He likes you too. He's got good stuff. Uh, John Bell. 
I think that's his name. Anyway, Anyway. he's not here today, but we are, (laughs) and so are Sky Whales. Sky Whales, Sky Creatures, Sky Critters, as some call them. This is going to be fun. Monsters of the Wind. I was surprised how much there is to this idea, Mm -hmm. you know? We live at the bottom of an ocean of air, gentlemen. That's true. Atmospheric ocean. Think about it. Yeah. If you think about the ocean and how much life is down there, and, you know, we're not even close, I think, to finding all the different things that exist. Right. And the atmosphere is just another ocean. Well, what's interesting about that, I think, which makes this such an intriguing idea, is that the atmosphere of our planet is five million times the size of our ocean. Really? Five million times the size. Yeah, that's insane. We that's are, crazy. We're just like tiny creatures on the bottom of a gigantic ocean. We are the bottom feeders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're the bottom food. We're like the plankton. Well, no, plankton's not, not even on the bottom. There are stories of attacks. John, you mentioned that earlier before we got started, wondering if they were violent or if there was, you know, because we sky talked about whales? that. The idea of sky whales sounds like we like the term sky whales, sky creatures, sky critters, whatever. Yeah. But I like the idea of sky whales because they sound friendly. Right. Because yeah, right. whales are friendly. But yeah, sky whales sounds friendly. So I like that term. But there are accounts of attacks, right, Chris? There right. Are of, of things that may have come down and done their dirty deeds upon the people of Earth. There's a surprising number of reports, which is really interesting. It goes back decades and all over the world. And we're talking about something that has its genesis in the same time of the early UFO phenomenon of like the yeah. 60s and 70s where there were there was a competition of ideas that where some people believe they were biological creatures living in the sky. And I think different reports point to those different things, yeah. right? I think like, like anything you have and the beginning of a phenomenon, or at least the beginning of recognition of a phenomenon, and then you have ideas that come together. And then at some point, you know, we were born into this world of believing that UFOs are most likely mechanical devices that are piloted by extraterrestrials. And I feel like as the years have gone by, there is a growing number of people that are considering, you know, it might be more likely that they're interdimensional. Right. The interesting thing is when the whole phenomenon began, there was a competing idea that these were biological life forms. And a lot of reports around the world really point more towards some sort of atmospheric life form right. than a, a ship piloted by extraterrestrials. They were conscious, floating, amoeba-like, giant, massive creatures in the sky. More like jellyfish than sky whales. Yeah, as I fun know. as sky whales are, it's more like a jellyfish than most of the Or sightings. amoeba, right? Right. Some of the uh, accounts, though, there are fins involved. So... I'm sure there's all kinds. That's the thing too. There's with a, with an ocean this large above us in the ether, uh, you can have all kinds of potential organisms that live up there. Right, and it does sound fantastical. It does sound like how could that exist? In you know, obviously, why like, don't we see them? Why don't right? they come down? How can they stay aloft? These sorts of ideas. And we'll well, get into those. They have to be low density, like we talked about. Right, like not even fully physical, almost. Right, low density and um, gaseous. Yeah, gaseous. Mm-hmm. Well. Um, <laughs> So one thing I wanted to mention real quick, I've never heard about this before. I remember when you first talked about it, it seemed very far-fetched, you know? But the way you're making it seem is like this has been around for a long time, this concept, and that there's a lot to it. Like you said that at first you didn't think that you were going to even be able to do a full episode and now you could do like four episodes on oh, it. Oh yeah. And the, one of the guys who spearheaded this, Trevor James Constable, fascinating guy. Uh, and his work ties into like weather manipulation. Anyway, what was my point there? Uh, would you ask me, John? Sky whales? Sky whales, yes. Um, interesting thing is, you know, we're, we're talking about that competing ideas and then eventually you forget about these ideas. It seems so outlandish now because these reports are never discussed because they're dismissed out of hand because the leading theory is that extraterrestrial spacecraft 
is what is lighting up our skies at night, right. you know? But in the beginning of all this phenomenon, these reports were taken with much consideration because there were so many reports of these biological atmospheric creatures. So that's why when I first heard about this idea and was looking into it, I was like, man, there can't be much on this because you never right. hear about stories like this. But when you start looking, you're like, there's tons of reports. They just don't get shared often because- You're so wackadoo. Right. Compared to the status quo or the constant paradigm of, you know, these are manned extraterrestrial craft and not biological. So it right. seems like such an out there idea. But at one point it was right there with everything else. I feel like a lot of uh, UFO sightings and the attributes of those sightings are biological seeming. Like the ones that are, that we hear a lot about where there's like this orb, this big undulating pulsing light in the sky that seems kind of conscious. And then you have something, a smaller one coming out of it. Right. Right. Like almost like giving birth, you know, like a life form. Mm -hmm. And, but they get lumped in. Well, it must be some weird technology because that's what these things must be. Right. So we just label them as like flying saucer type UFOs when in reality, like we don't know. They're just unidentified flying or maybe swimming. Right. Object. There's an incredible story that's exactly what you just described. Yes. in the Soviet Union. Um, and it's a crazy story. And we're going to get into it later in the episode along with some other stories. But it describes that exact thing, basically where this thing comes down out of the sky. At first, people think it's a missile. It's during the Cold War because um, it seems like it's on fire. But then it starts emitting these crazy sounds, almost animalistic sounds. And then it stops and hovers. And it's on almost like it's on fire. And then it unleashes these golden tentacle-like things and puts holes into people's apartment windows. What? This is like documented. What? This is, right? You think you would have heard of the story. How high up was it? It was uh, estimated to be about 300 feet in oh, diameter. Th wow. That's how big this thing was. No, how high off the ground? It was came, it? well, it came from uh, what they initially thought was outer space because they see this thing coming down almost like a star. It does a spiral pattern, then they, it looks like it's on fire. And, but then it stops above this town, this city <laughs> of like 130,000 people. And what year was this? It was during the Cold War. Okay. But it unleashes these almost like golden rays described almost as like tentacles by the population there. People said they were waking up people who hadn't even seen it because it's four in the morning, uh -huh. but they were woken up with a feeling of impending doom. Weird. And this thing is unleashing Ooh. these things and it's going through car windows and apartment buildings and it's leaving. We'll get into this story later because it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, that is very bizarre. But it relates right back to your account because one of the parts of the story was this thing comes out of it and goes around oh. and then re-emerges yeah. back into this thing. Yeah, you hear that all the time, like the, of these things being spotted where things like an auxiliary uh, entity or craft comes out of the larger one and then oftentimes goes back in. They seem to communicate, they move in like, you know, right. like in the flocks. It seems like a mix of biology and technology mm -hmm. almost. That's funny you say that because- It is funny. Cyborg, <laughs> Skywell. Well, so many of these reports talk about these jelly-like things and their, their reports of them having like a mica-like shell that you can't break when they're on land, like you can't get through it. Or when they bleed, they're bleeding a sort of a metallic sort of foam. So there is this sort of technology meets biological That's interesting, organism. You hear about those things from time to time where there's like this weird pink gelatinous stuff that's found having fallen on trees and on ground. It's covering like a section of a town or something. You ever hear about those stories yeah. where they're unidentified? Star jelly. Oh, really? There's yeah. a name for it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what that reminds me of. Like these anomalous events where you have these 
this something coming down from the sky. Yeah, maybe they're coming from these creatures. That's why we like we only see it from time to time. Like maybe they're not a natural attribute of the atmosphere itself, but of entities that live up there. Right. Maybe something's wounded and or you know something. Yeah, this happens from time to time where you get unidentified sort of substances that are organic that come down and they cover people's homes or trees or whatever. Yeah, and they look like a jelly. And they've had samples. National Geographic scientists did samples and during one of these experiences and took samples of it, and they couldn't confirm what the substance was. Their best guess was that it was uh, regurgitated frog ovaries. What? But they couldn't confirm <laughs> that theory. It's just strange, yeah. like, you know. The theory was that they were regurgitated by vultures that were eating dead frogs, maybe after a rainstorm where a lot of frogs were out. And they all flew over and barfed them out right on top of the... Right. But road. then they take, you know, they take samples of this stuff and they're like, uh, we can't identify the substance, but it's it looks like it might be frog ovaries. Well, there so, have been reports of frogs raining at times. Oh, yeah, yeah that's sure. also true. Mm-hmm. Which is, can be explained by, you know... Uh, Water spouts. Yeah. Right. But, like but of course, because we don't believe in there being any organisms out there other than birds that are flying temporarily. There's nothing right. that lives in the right. atmosphere. In a sense, then whatever's on the ground must be explained by the mainstream or whoever as something that came from the ground. Right. So may, what goes up must come down and that's what it has to be. But maybe it doesn't. Yeah, and it's interesting because there's so many sorts of things that have come down, you know, called skyfalls that come out of the sky over the years. Um, that's a big thing in like Fordian research, especially back in the day before we started explaining everything with like, it's most likely a cyclone or something. But you've had uh, blood fall out of the sky, like large amounts of blood on places. Ugh. Could be, like obviously the theories have been, you know, some animal was taken up by a UFO, maybe was eaten by something, <laughs> or not a UFO, but like a tornado, <laughs> a UFO in my head. Um, <laughs> yeah, but in this new perspective of, could there be organisms living Living yeah. in this area that's five million times the size of our ocean, of which we are the bottom of, could there be things that are living and digesting things up there? Maybe people. Maybe this explains some missing 4-in-1 accounts, you know. Cattle mutilations. Like the story you talked about on the last episode where that mm. portal came, it looked like an orb that came and just ate this person. Right. What if that was one of these things? Because one of the one of the theories about these things is that they exist in an invisible form until they go to feed or if they're wounded or something. And then that's when you get these reports of anomalous orbs of light that start to show up in the atmosphere or come down and drop tentacle-like things or are found on the yeah. road. I'm not going outside anymore. <laughs> it is kind of creepy to think about. I was thinking about that the other night. I was on the back deck and I was looking up and thinking something could just reach down and snarfle me up. Snarfle me up? Then we could do an episode about it. That's true. You guys would become really, really successful because you'd have a, a story to tell. It'd be awesome if we had like iPhone video of it, and it's what blew us up into success. <laughs> but, but of course, it's like blurry. we did lose a we did lose one of we our lost hosts. A brother, but we we had to sacrifice one. Goodbye, Jeremy. That's what must be done. It's like it's worth it. <laughs> Share my story. Do it for me. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of fear of the sky, I just can't. This is just kind of an interesting uh, little factoid because I used to, I had this. And I still do get it sometimes, but when I was little, I used to have this fear of being sucked up into the sky or a fear of gravity just turning off. Yeah. Yeah. If you're like on a clear night into the sky and you're like, what if we just fell right. just the another- other way? <laughs> and that feeling of, yeah, like you would just fly. Yeah. There's a term for that, which I came across in my research. It's called casadastrophobia. Cassata oh. Cassata Look at you try to pronounce it. It's on the I think everyone's looked up and probably thought that once or twice in their life. Like, what would happen if gravity just stopped working? Yeah. I mean, there are people that don't leave their home because they have that fear. I feel like it must be connected with, uh, is it agoraphobia? That's the um, fear of open spaces. Oh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. uh, the guy who did The Scream. Remember that famous painting, John? The mm-hmm. Scream by, was it Edward Munch or Munich or something? But he was agoraphobic. So that was him being outside terrified of these large expanse of space. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Anyway, 
And yet another reason to be scared of the sky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one of the earliest ufologists who kind of was spearheading this idea actually was his sort of conception was Trevor James Constable. And uh, he was a firm believer in this phenomenon. And he actually started developing ways of capturing images of these things that are invisible to the naked eye, unless, you know, feeding. Right. But he used infrared technology to capture images. And John, if you look at the layout there, that's one of his images. No one could see this until he took a picture. Wow. Certainly looks like a jellyfish. Yeah, we'll have this in the show notes, guys. Check out the episode page on our website. And for those of you who are familiar with the classic NASA tether incident, which we will touch on later, there are infrared images of these jellyfish-like creatures that look almost identical to the things that are seen floating around the NASA tether in that video. So we're going to get to that stuff Oh, later. yeah, we talked about that before. Oh, in a Patreon episode, the tether incident. Yeah, we'll get into that. Um, this picture, by the way, guys, this is the one, um, if you're looking at the, the images, there's a gigantic rock, a bunch of people crowded around. It's an older picture. Yeah, and this jellyfish-type looking uh, illuminated thing. So that's with infrared? Mm-hmm. It's funny, Chris, this is this looks like a... Cassadrostrophobia. You know, Contact in the Desert, John, <laughs> and Stephen Greer, and he does those... Mm, uh, I met him. I know, that's a great story. <laughs> Stephen Greer is a, yeah, one of the leading UFO researchers. Controversial figure out there. Yeah, he allegedly would give briefings to sitting presidents about the UFO phenomenon. And he, right. he talked about being able to, and, and claims to be able to call right. these... And it's funny because that's... He carries on the tradition of the fellow you're talking about. Right. Because that's what he used to be involved with. And and I don't know if you have the information on that, but I can jump in on that later. But sure. um, it was a, it was in the same kind of... It might have been the same place in Contact in the Desert in that area mm-hmm. where this fella who was taking those photos and developing this technology and got into cloud busting and all that, he was doing the same thing. He got involved with a fellow that we'll talk about later, helped him develop like a psychic kind of ability that he didn't want. It sounds crazy, right, but, right. but basically that's one of the aspects of it was this, uh, sa- he called it like a seance type right. contact yeah, with UFOs. Yeah, it's kind of like a UFO seance mm-hmm. where, you, where you summon them almost. Right. We'll touch on that later, specifically about, uh, what's the fellow's name again? Trevor James Constable. Yeah, Trevor, he's a definitely a fascinating figure. His connections with Wil- Wilhelm Reich, who developed organ therapy. Is that cloud busting? Yeah, that's where. The, well, that's where that comes from. Um, organite is that rock you can create or buy. It's really not a rock. It's an amalgamation of like uh, I think uh, uh, polymers and uh, epoxy and stone, certain kinds of crystal or something. But it's yeah, it's used for cloud busting to break away clouds in the atmosphere or to form clouds for rain. Right. Um, Which is what Constable got into later in life. But you know where organ comes from? The name. Mm-mm. Uh, it combines the words orgasm and organism mm-hmm. because he believes it's a, uh, let's see, I'll read this here. It's missing like orgone. doesn't combine it. From orgasm and organism. That's where the word is derived for a bio. It's the root. It's a term that he coined for biological energy that he said others called God. It's one of the, he was wow. a, he was a, <laughs> Wilhelm Reich was a very controversial yeah. figure. Uh, he was very out there, but I think he, he definitely discovered some stuff that was, I think, be, stuff that connected to like Tesla's idea of the ether. Right. But that's kind of the beginning of the cloud busting idea. And the cloud busting connects because that fellow you're talking about, that Trevor Constable guy, he was into cloud busting. He'd worked with uh, associates of Wilhelm Reich in the desert to do cloud busting, to build rain clouds, right. to bring into drought in areas. And he believed that doing so would agitate the creatures living in the sky because it was affecting their habitat. He believed that things that we've developed since basically the 40s, radar, things like that, are affecting this environment for these organisms. And that might explain why we're seeing more and more of these reports of these things coming down, being sick, dying, which we'll get into, or eating people. 
maybe. Yeah, they're know? they're angry because we're. I wonder what the chemtrails would be doing. It. Maybe the chemtrails. Oh, out. maybe that's the whole reason for the chemtrails, man. Keeps them out. Boy, have you guys seen lately? There's some of the days oh, that's just bad, been man. unbelievable. Anyways, that's a whole other subject. Take, take off your tinfoil hat, Sean. Yeah. yeah, whatever you think about chemtrails, we, I think we can all agree that chemtrails or chemtrails. It makes the sky ugly and it ruins a beautiful that day. That is absolutely true. You want to talk about pollution? Yeah, it's a good oh, start. And, and uh, depression and mm-hmm. mood anxiety. Yeah. Every time Look there's a the beautiful sky. day in the morning and then by you see it start to happen, you're just like, well, goodbye, blue sky. Yeah, and anyone that doesn't believe that the trails are connected to the actual formation of just gray, hazy days, just watch a time-lapse video or stand just outside you know, for an hour. Anyway, this episode is about sky Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyways, well, let's, this we should take habitat. a quick break, don't you think? Yeah, let's take a break. But when we get back from the break, I want to get into these really interesting stories. Okay. Uh, it was pretty fascinating. And they're legit accounts. They're not creepypasta. Yeah, John, do you have a, a, a stinger you want to play for a patron? Yeah, this is for um, Walshers or Chris. If you guys want more of our shows, we're releasing another episode every time we release a main one. And that would happen at beliefhole.com. <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> Patreon. Patreon. You get double the episodes. If you go to beliefhole.com, you can click Patreon button. Yeah. But um, yeah, so what we're going through now for people that are just starting to join the show is we have we play these audio stingers that are just kind of like these fun little thank yous for people that have signed up for the Patreon. It puts you in the hole. It puts you in the hole. It's kind of like our thank you. They're kind of original. And uh, this first one is for Walshers and it, it relates to Sky Whales. All right. Ooh, I can't wait. Hello, Walshers. I am a sky whale. A very low density being. I just wanted to thank you for signing up to be a patron. <laughs> now I'm off. I'm going to leave slowly. <laughs> I'll see you in your dreams, Walshers. <laughs> That's kind of terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> that sky Creepy. sounded like Seth Rogen at the end with that laugh. Kind of reminded me of the... <laughs> the Sky Rogan. Skeksis. What are they called? Skeksis. The, the oh. ones that were like... Mm-hmm. Dark Crystal. Reminds me of a mix of that and uh, Falcor. Yeah. That's you know? a good good mix. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I want a Sky Whale for a pet. They're fun. I was definitely there on like a dark hill looking at the sky with this creature coming down when I was listening <laughs> to that. Very realistic. That's probably exactly what they sound well like. Well done, too. John. That was, and I enjoyed that escape in my brain. Yeah. Cool. The sky Whale Country. Hope you liked it, Walshris. Chris, thank you so much. Thank you all you patrons who have signed up. Um, if you are interested in getting a stinger, that's the that's the Thunder Buzzard tier. And for those of you who've already signed up at the original amount, you're still going to get yours, just so you know. Yeah, well, we we sent out emails about that, but um, but thank you guys so much. Uh, if yeah, if you are interested and you want, you're interested in getting bonus episodes every time we release a regular episode, uh, just go to Patreon.com and search Beliefhole, or go to our website Beliefhole.com and click on the Patreon button, and you will find us. All right, we'll be right back after the break.
Pick up. Pick up, pick up. Hi. Thanks for calling the Bleep Hole Hotline. Oh, thank God. Got a spooky story? I do. I do. It's all real. They're outside no right... No one's available to take your call, but you can leave what? your story at the sound of what? the tone. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. They're, they're outside right now. They're outside. Have a spooky story? Don't wait until it's too late. Give us a call. Beliefhole.com I think we're back. I think we are too. Welcome back, guys. We're back and we've brought the sky creatures with us. The sky jellyfish, I guess, would be a more accurate term, right? Sky gelatinous uh, friends? Yeah. Or enemies? For most of the encounters that are experienced, yeah. More of a jellyfish type creature, more of a, yeah, that kind of thing. Right. Less of a whale. Less whaley. That's It'd really d- d- disappointing, frankly. I know, I know. And not to say they're not out there, but, you know, there's no evidence. That's true. We, we are on the very bottom of this atmospheric ocean that lives above us. Would you say five million times the volume than our Earth's oceans? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's insane. Yeah, it's so crazy. hard to fathom. Yeah. There's a, for anybody interested, there is a graph we'll have in the show notes that really gives you a good example of where we are, where planes fly commercially, and then the miles surrounding that. Here's where we get, the highest we get is right here. And then there's all this. Wow. Yeah, this picture will be in the show notes, guys. It's from, uh, I think it's called the Live... The Living Sky. LivingSky.com, which is based off of a book. Chris, you got some stories coming up? Yeah, I thought we could start this section of the show off with a good story. Now, these are true encounters of these sky creatures. Allegedly true, yes. Jellyfish, amoeba, mm-hmm. whatever they are living in the sky. Yeah, reported by real living people. So that's awesome. always always a benefit. I mean, you could... <laughs> as opposed to what? Oh, as opposed to like anonymous reports? Right, or like oh, creepy Reddit fiction stuff, you know? Subreddits and... Yeah, I mean, again, like, like our last episode we did, you can always listen to a story and be like, well, that guy is full of shit. Right. But... We know at least he was a guy, and he said this with his mouth or wrote it with his hand. <laughs> he It was written down that he had existed at one time. Right. Yeah. So the first one I want to do is probably my one of my favorite stories, and this comes from uh, Trevor James Constable's, one of his books, The Cosmic Pulse of Life, which was published in 1976. I've heard of that. That's a other, good year. Yeah, that's another cool thing. That was a great year. Um, <laughs> that's another reason why I like a lot of these stories is because they are older accounts, and I feel like we live in an age of, well, you know, of Wonder. fake Stuff all Wonder. the time. Wonder. No, that's, that's a good way to look at it. Word. I was going to say cynicism and um, fraud, but well, yeah, just like overhyped up everything. Right, sensationalism. Sorry, when you said we live in the age, I just thought of that Crystal Method song. In the oh. age of wonder. In the age of wonder. The crystal. I think it was. Yeah, it was about like. Uh, wasn't that about like uh, the Skeksis? Dark crystal. Wow, Jeremy. <gasps> Well, it all back comes in. back. <laughs> that connects to the Skeksis you were talking about that inspired your voice of your uh, whale creature. Mm. It all Dark crystal. Synchronicities See, it's all connected, around, man. This guy giving you little tickles. <laughs> Tentacle tickles from the sky beast. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> I did not like that team. <laughs> apparently. Uh, okay, so the first one I want to... Uh, Jerry, do you want to read the first one? I would love to. I think you'd be good at this. Sure, why not? So this one comes from an American named Don Wood Jr., who reported this to Trevor James Constable, who was doing this research. And I think this is a fascinating story. He was a pilot, and he had a strange encounter with a sky beast. Maybe the most uh, the most descriptive, the most visceral, and potentially the hardest to believe because it is so rich with detail. Okay. You want to give it a go? This comes from Trevor James Constable's book, The Cosmic Pulse of Life. An American named Donwood Jr. got a terrifying look at a couple of these critters. 
He saw them in full physical density and in light reflecting negative polarity as a result of his hobby and interest in flying. Mr. Woods states, I must write to you of what happened to me in 1925, which I think solves most UFO reports. I've never told this to anyone, but can get a signed affidavit if needed. Four of us were flying old Jennies, a type of biplane, over the Nevada desert. We landed on Flat Mesa near Battle Mountain, Nevada. The mesa is about 5,000 square feet and the walls are too steep to climb unless a lot of work is done. We wanted to see what was on top of that flat place. We landed to 1 p.m. While walking about the top of this place, we noticed something coming in for a landing. It was about eight feet across and was round and flat like a saucer. The undersides were a reddish color. It skidded to a stop about 30 feet away. This next thing you won't believe, and I don't care, but it's the truth. We walked up to the thing and it was some animal like we never saw before. It was hurt. And as it breathed, the top would rise and fall making a half-foot hole all around it like a clam opening and closing. Quite a hunk had been chewed out of one side of this rim, and a sort of metal-looking froth issued. When it saw us, it breathed frantically and rose up only a few inches, only to fall back to Earth again. It was moist and glistened on the top side. We could see no eyes or legs. So just real quick right there, fascinating. So this thing, it's got a chunk taken out of it, like something else. Oh, interesting. Up there, Had he snagged it. a bite from this thing as it's lying it down sounds, there. It oh, sounds like a mix between like a jellyfish and a whale, like with a breathing mm-hmm. apparatus. On the... Or like a stingray yeah. or something. Yeah. Interesting. Should I continue? Yeah. Okay. After a 20-minute rest, it started pulsating once more. We stayed about 10 feet away. And so help me, the thing grew as bright as all get out, except for where it was hurt. It had a mica-like shell body. It tried to rise up again, but sank back again. Then we saw a large round shadow fall on us. We looked up and ran. Coming in was a much larger animal, 30 feet across. It paid no attention to us, but settled itself over the small one. Four sucker-like tongues settled on the little one, and the big one got so dazzling bright you couldn't look at it. Both rose straight up and were out of sight in a second. They must have been traveling a thousand miles an hour to get so high so fast. When we walked over, there was an awful stench, and a frothy stuff the little one had bled looked like fine aluminum wire. There was more frothy, wiry stuff in a 30-foot circle where the big one had breathed. This stuff finally melted in the sun and we took off. So help me, this was an animal. I've never told this before as we knew no one would believe us. I only write this now because this animal would be one big 30-foot light if seen at night. I don't expect belief, but I simply had to write. Interesting. What do you think, John? I don't know. I like it. I I think it it rings true. Obviously, it's it's very fantastic sounding. Yeah. But it, it coincides with a lot of these other accounts where there's obviously animalistic aspects to it. There's sort of a metal, a frothy aspect to it. Allegedly why this man sent in the story to the author was because, you know, he sees this thing and it really does explain a lot of the UFO experiences because it's something that is translucent until it gets really bright. Right. And so his statement was like, at night, if you saw this up in the air, you would see this 30 foot wide disc of light and think that's a spacecraft. Right. And we see that all the time. Right. I mean, I don't, but you know, there we, are, we do all the time. We do all the time. Yeah. There are reports all the time and videos and photos of these things glowing 
saucer or even like blimp shaped things. Right. Those may kind of disproven, but the, the saucers in the sky, the round things that are glowing seem pulsing. Yeah, who knows what's up there? Uh, and that pulsing, I think you're going to touch on it later, but it reminds me of that tether footage we talked exactly, about before. Yeah, which we will get into. Those things hovering this. around, yeah. Um, no, but I think that that makes a lot of sense. I like the detail about the uh, the glowing when it was trying to lift off and all of it would glow except for the, the place that had been attacked. The right. wound didn't glow. I thought that was interesting. Well, it's like that's where it's damaged. Right. Yeah, and so the life force isn't in it. And it just reminds me of the description of like, you know, uh, things we see in the ocean like octopus, squid, jellyfish, things that can camouflage the invisibility. Mm-hmm. Like if you have something flying or swimming in the ether above us that can become translucent to match its surroundings, camouflage, right. that's essentially invisibility. Yeah. And I've heard stories, the connections with like uh, random deaths of birds. Mm-hmm. inexplicable flocks that will fly into buildings and stuff because there's some kind of radiation in the atmosphere. People have suggested that these creatures put off this radiation. Right. Um, when well, then you get a lot of uh, UFO encounters, close encounters, where you have um, symptoms of radiation, poisoning, like burning, itching, damage to flesh. Same types of things you get from aquatic jellyfish type things. So it's just an interesting correlation. Yeah. And also this story reminds me of the one we covered on the Men in Black episode with the Maury Island incident oh, where you had Island, that yeah. magma type stuff, metal magma falling from the sky. That's what something, you know, it would appear similar sort of thing if a creature, oh, a yeah. creature like this was wounded, it would be dripping a sort of metallic magma. Oh, that's interesting. You know? Oh yeah, we should, we should definitely get the the was it the director that reached out to us about the Mari Island? I think the producer of that that documentary. We should reach out to them and have them on. Yeah, that's an, that would be an interesting question to raise to them about the actual incident. Definitely. Well, yeah, that was the first one I want to share because I thought it was it was just a fun one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to talk about. Is poor, that the only poor little fun guy? One? Poor little creature <laughs> on the poor little babe. His mom has to come down and save him. Or maybe it was the predator that took the chunk out of him and just coming to finish the job. Just coming to wrap him up and eat him for later. I hope it was his mom. Me too. It probably was. <laughs> Poor Sky Whale. So I'd like to talk about some of the historical accounts. There's a really simple one in 1870 where Captain Banner and the crew aboard the Lady of the Lake witnessed a circular cloud that also had sort of compartments to it. Like skin folds? Yeah. And it had a hook-type shaft extending from it. Ooh. And they referenced it as being a sort of organic life form that they watched as it traveled against the wind over the ocean as they're on this ship in 1870. Just an interesting thing. And you'll yeah. hear this in other accounts later on with science teachers, um, police officers, where it's initially they think it's a cloud moving against the wind until it starts to do something more animalistic. Ooh, yeah. That I does. got a couple short, really short little bits later we'll talk about. Um, but the next one is another fascinating incident. And John, I thought maybe if you wanted to read this one. This one's known as the Crawfordsville monster. This is another older one, 1891. But an interesting case. And there is a skeptical argument at the end, but a skeptical argument that I find pretty hard to swallow. Best. Okay, here we go. On September 5th, 1891, the Crawfordsville Journal reported that two ice delivery men cited a strange phenomenon that hovered in the air above their location, describing it as a horrible apparition that filled them with dread. A similar sighting was reported by a Methodist pastor and his wife. The Crawfordsville Journal described it as about 18 feet long and 8 feet wide and moved rapidly through the air by means of several pairs of side fins. It was pure white and had no definite shape or form, resembling somewhat a great white shroud fitted with propelling fins. There was no tail or head visible, but there was one great flaming eye. And a sort of wheezing, plaintive sound was emitted from a mouth which was invisible. 
It flapped like a flag in the wind as it came on and frequently gave a great squirm as though suffering unutterable agony. According to the interviews conducted years later by Crawfordsville reporter and 14 Society member Vincent Gaddis, hundreds of residents observed the phenomenon on the following evening, with some claiming they could feel the monster's hot breath as it swooped over them. That's, uh, I would not want to be underneath that. Red flaming eye too. I mean, Mm -hmm. definitely, you know, this was sort of the era of, um, you know, very audacious claims made in newspapers to Uh try to get readers and sell papers. Quite an imagination with the like flapping in the wind. Right. White shroud. White shroud with fins. It's weird. It sounds so vague in a way. I mean, as a creature, you think that you would, if I was a newspaper man, I'd say something that was, you know, like a monster uh, oh, if you were fabricating the whole thing, you mean? Yeah, I would, I would make it somewhat connected to like uh, something we could, we could relate it to in reality, mm-hmm. like a dragon or something. But but to be this like flapping white shroud with compartments and a flaming, it's so specifically yeah. odd, right? And not like specifically it's interesting for sure. I mean, the, there was a skeptical argument, and this no, this is sort of the <laughs> so the Indianapolis Journal repeated the September fifth sightings, as did other newspapers across the country, including the Brooklyn Eagle, whose article later attracted the attention of early paranormal investigators Charles Fort. You know, our guy we talk about. The Crawfordsville postmaster was deluged with mail, and reports of sightings generated both ridicule and a number of believers. Two local men, John Hornbeck and Abe Hernley, quote, followed the wraith about town and finally discovered it to be a flock of many hundred killdeer. The Crawfordsville Journal suggested that Crawfordsville newly installed electric lights disoriented the birds, which caused them to hover above the city. The birds' wings and white underfeathers likely resulted in misidentification. That makes sense, yeah. Right? Like Look a at, big I flaming a eye. There. Look at that. That's a killdeer, <laughs> by the way. They're the cute little birds that run around puddles and stuff. Oh, yeah. Long legs. Yeah. So a flock of those somehow are misidentified as a giant red-flamed eyed monster with big white flaps and I mean I can see like That's, the uh, amorphous form of like a flock of birds kind of like yeah. undulating but to have a giant red eye to hearing what they described as like painful breath or unimaginable sounds uttering from it right. like that's not a flock of I mean bird flocks do make some but they're that's bird true. sounds I mean everyone uh, there, there's that many people witnessing this and none of them had experience with a flock of birds right. before and I again mean, it reminds me of like that sort of idea of like temporal elitism where it's like anybody from a time further before us they, they're idiots they yeah. don't know they, don't, they can't identify we're the most stuff. advanced now of any right this sort of, was only a you know, hundred some years ago it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't that long ago um, so there's an interesting story definitely strange yeah um, did you see the picture John of the bird yeah I mean there's real no way I mean you could show any bird and it's like right it's a bird yeah, <laughs> except for the giant red-eyed. I don't know bird it is. Except I for mean, the giant red-eyed pigeon. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it would really make it turn into a like a, a flaming-eyed, eye, yeah. white-shrouded, compartmentalized sky. Well, beast. I would right. say sometimes you do look up at the sky and birds do pretty crazy things in flocks. Yeah, but you always know that's a flock. Once you've seen one, then you you would not misidentify that for a flying, flaming-eyed beast. I mean, I could see like they did say you know it must have been. At least part of the sighting was at night because it said there were electronic lights that were newly installed. Um, um, so maybe they saw this thing from underneath and it was lit from below. And reflecting white. off their white bellies. But still the smells and the sounds and the... It you know. flapped like a flag in the winds. I mean... Still the red eye. There's no red on that bird. How They said how many people? Did they say like thousands of people witnessed it? Or how many was there? Uh, did thousands of people exist back then? I thought it was a lot of people it just seems strange that so many of them would identify this as something unidentifiable what is they could feel the monster's hot breath what does that mean 
Uh, apparently, this thing was swooping down towards the streets of this town. Yeah, I don't think birds do it's that. It's obviously the energy caused by the friction of their wind against <laughs> or the wings against the wind. Durr. It's a pretty weird story. Yeah, not for the belief hole. <laughs> as unbelievable as some of these stories are, you know, we touched on sort of some possible physical trace evidence earlier mm-hmm. when we were discussing things like star jelly, mm-hmm. gelatinous secretions. So the the question again, you know, that people would ask when you're discussing giant monsters that live in the sky, why aren't we seeing evidence of these things? That's what everyone asks me when I talk about it with people, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, right next to the impeachment. When yeah. you're at the podiatrist. <laughs> They had a panel on CNN, I think, about this. Where's, yeah, I'm pretty sure her wolf bullets are saying, where are these evidence of these sky creatures? <laughs> what can we expect where, from what, these? What should we know about the angel hair? <laughs> Anderson? So, yeah, where is the evidence, right? Well, it's funny because when you start to look at the phenomenon through this idea of these organic beings, then some of the evidence starts to make sense. Maybe a lot of these things aren't alien piloted craft, but maybe they're organic beings. Evidence misattributed to right. a physical craft. Like angel hair. So angel hair is strange shreds of filament type things that are left behind at scenes of UFO landings. Oh, oh, that's why they- Oh, it, all UFOs? Not, not all. all. But not all, but some. When they These visit, type of UFOs or just, just other in general. ones too? It's, a, kind, ones it's too. a form of trace evidence. Right. Oh, that's interesting. So, and it's- so the, the material resembles, visually resembles sort of jellyfish tentacles. And if you look at our show notes, there's I'll have an image here where it's comparing jellyfish tentacles to these angel hair. And did you guys see oh, that? It's pretty like, identical, really. Yeah. What are they made out of, The this angel hair? Are you going to read that line? Oh, I was just kind of like summarizing, like well, looking at it. Well, it's interesting. It says sometimes, this is kind of what I was asking. Yeah, go ahead. Sometimes what may be excretions drop from the sky, body parts, flakes of flesh, and rains of blood. Right. Like we were discussing earlier, the sky falls. Some UFOs shed strange filaments called angel hair. This material visually represents jellyfish tentacles, and that's what that is. Yeah. But rains of blood, that's... That's kind of what you mentioned before, right? Yeah. So, I mean, before this would be explained away by something having to do with weather phenomenon, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting where it says... Flakes uh, of flesh. It usually sublimates quickly. <laughs> it's a good band name, Flakes of Flesh. <laughs> you hear a lot of stories like this where there, that is a common theme is the gelatinous material, some of the trace evidence and stuff dissipates. They have it in a container. There's an early one in was it right. the 80s where that the police officer had a gallon container of this stuff, yeah. a liter of it. And then by the time the creature had dissolved, it actually dissolved in the in the jar itself. Right, you hear this a lot when, when you do have these sort of blob jelly-like encounters. Yeah. That always seems to be if they don't make it back up into the sky, they dissolve pretty rapidly. Also says here that- Which you could argue is convenient, you know, but at the same right. time- no it, evidence. No body, no crime. <laughs> uh, it's interesting here too, it says chemical analysis of a few samples has found the same minerals found in marine jellyfish. Right, yeah. So they could be connected. Oh, that's another thing too, that point that there is no real clear distinction between the sea and the sky- the earth and the sky and the atmosphere above, that it is a constant system, undulating and connective. What if these things can, like here of the USOs? Right, exactly. Unidentified submerged objects. Right, and you have the trace evidence of this angel hair pointing to minerals found in marine jellyfish. They could be a relative, right? There could be some biological connection between the jellyfish of the ocean or creatures in the ocean and the creatures of the ether in the sky. Right. What above is so below. As above, so below. That was all about sky jellyfish. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, let's discuss this quick encounter because it relates right to what you're talking about. So there's two encounters that I came across uh, in different resources, but they allude to this idea that there is a connection between the water and the sky with these creatures. So this, this story I found in The Almanac of the Infamous, the Incredible, and the Ignored by Juanita Rose Vialini. In 1975... 
Tom DeErkel, a science teacher in Oyster Bay, New York, glanced up at the sky as he was entering his car. Well, that's weird. Hovering over his house, huh. a basketball-sized cloud floated back and forth across the peak of the roof, changing in shape. The cloud then appeared to breathe in and spew out a stream of water at Tom and his car, leaving them both soaked. The cloud vanished. This took place in Perth, Western Australia, around 12 months ago now. I am only just reporting it after seeing similar reports coming in. Interesting. That's yeah. weird because the, the, what I'm about to read is from Australia. I know. And the two other stories I think that are not the story you're about to read that I found are also from Perth. And the one related to this, real quick, it came from uh, that book we referenced before, The Best of 40 in Times. But it, I found this and it, it just seemed to relate so much to the story John just read about the science teacher. An active mystery cloud appeared over Matotiko Island, New Zealand, on June 4th, 1978. According to a story in the Tuapo Times, Mrs. Christine Dudley, her husband and family watched its antics for an hour as the black cloud swooped around Lake Tuapo. She said it moved at high speed, continually changing shape, and sometimes dipped down to touch the water's surface before shooting up again. But the cloud was still visible sometime after sunset. Quote, it was a little frightening, said Mrs. Dudley. Mm. But it's funny because in the story John read about the science teacher, this thing regurgitates this liquid all over him. And after tests were done, turned out to be water. Yeah. Right? And then in this story, unrelated in New Zealand in 1978, you have this cloud moving against the wind like the sailors saw in the 1800s. And this cloud dips down and drinks water from yeah. the ocean or what appears to be drinking water from this. And I'm sorry if I'm getting those pronunciations wrong of Tuapo. So you're piecing together two different accounts. One of this thing spewing water at a man. Right. And another of a similar creature encountered that's drinking water from a bay or right. a lake. And you're, so you're basically saying that this could be the same creature. Yeah, it's and interesting. That's interesting. You made a connection, I made a connection. But it's funny because, uh, you know, we're hearing a lot of stories out of Australia, New Zealand, and Nevada. There's a lot of a kayak concentration too. But um, the researcher we mentioned earlier, Constable, he's from New Zealand. So I wonder if he had an experience out there at some point, and that's what got him along this track. I'm not quite sure of the origin of his fascination, but um, yeah, interesting. I think the connection there is interesting. Yeah, definitely. There must be a lot of stuff going on around Australia and New Zealand. Here's This was kind of interesting. So this comes from uh, thelivingsky.com that we'll have in the show notes, but I thought this, this was pretty compelling. This is on feeding and hunting. Oh, Some jellyfish are farmers hosting photosynthetic algae. However, most jellyfish and squid are high-level predators that use a variety of hunting techniques. UFOs seem to attack each other, targeting similar or different UFOs. They seem to attack animals. Thousands of reports of cattle mutilations describe strange lights hovering over the fields of the victims. Dead animals and even people are unexplainably found in the tops of tall trees. That's yeah. kind of creepy mm-hmm. and interesting. Predator. Reminds me a little bit of Missing 4 and one um, UFOs attack vehicles. Some have followed cars for miles, bumping against them and flashing bright lights. Yeah. Definitely sounds like a predatory kind of right. uh, thing. It's interesting you start looking at it from this perspective. Right. Here's the from a quick account that mentions that. In 1988, a mother and her three sons drove frantically along an Australia desert highway. The glowing object landed with a thump on top of their moving car. It whooshed a foul smell like decomposing flesh. The mother reached out her window and touched its spongy body. Then the object lifted their car right off the ground. Luckily for the family, it dropped the car, bursting a tire. 
That's so funny because there is a, an account just like that with a police officer where an object like that came down light in the sky. Then it came down with some tentacle things and started to pick up the car. Oh, So this happens and apparently. I've heard earlier uh, in this podcast so far today, we talked about um, that smell of decomposing flesh. Right. There being some sort of organic material. It's interesting. These definitely seem to be representing a similar entity. Yeah, for sure. Crazy. All, I mean, it's the, all real. The more I looked into this, the more I was like, "Am I actually starting to believe in sky creatures that exist?" Like <laughs> you always have. Well, in my heart, I always have. To but me, my brain is starting to agree with my heart. To me, it's completely plausible. I mean, we well, you just, believe in everything. Well, no, that's not true. Pretty much. Yeah. No, I'm open to everything. <laughs> there you go. But I don't believe in anything, really. It is scary, though, how this just starts to make sense a little bit with all the different UFO phenomena, all the stuff we talked about with Missing 411, the invisibility stuff, things right. being found in trees. Camouflage. And yeah, the relationship to cattle mutilations and UFO craft or sky creatures. Right. It could be a feeding situation. And again, that was something that Constable had touched on. That was one of his ideas that could explain cattle mutilation stuff, especially if you consider that a lot of that started happening after we started doing a lot more with radio waves, radar, mm -hmm. disrupting their oh, environment. Sorry, there are UFOs. You always hear about them coming down over missile silos and mm -hmm. absorbing energy from yeah, military bases. and yeah. launch or something. Right. And there's this idea that if these are entities, that they may be feeding off energy. That's <laughs> so funny, man. Shutting things down, um, landing near power plants and absorbing. The, you know, they're seen and witnessed yeah. in these areas, and then power grids go out and cars cars shut down. Could those be like little treats when, a, like, in close encounters, when the car shuts <laughs> yeah. down, like little, little bag of potato chips? Yeah, little electric snacks. Yeah, you know, for these things to keep going. Well, electric snacks. That's a good band. Oh, name. I like that one. Dirt's <laughs> coming all kinds of good. Let's just <laughs> quit the podcast and start a band. <laughs> start a bunch of bands. <laughs> yeah, and we should. Go to break soon. I do want to mention one more thing though before we go. The synchronicity stuff has just been wild with this with this episode. I know. Wild, wild. We were like we had, uh, so many things that have popped crazy. up with sky whales. Uh, like oh, uh, yeah, I was listening to Chill Step. Uh, yeah, recommended to you. It was a sky whale Chill Step. The so many things like I been putting off watching the sci-fi series The Expanse. Got to the third season and it's all about this alien life form that's discovered somewhere and it starts to create a giant sky half mechanical, half flesh jellyfish, just like these things on Venus. It's almost like they were re reading Venus. into this and then it feeds itself by nuclear fusion or power, right. like you were just talking about. But it's almost as if they went by some of the research that uh, Constable had done and even uh, what Carl Sagan talked about, possible living on Venus. I was going to say, you, squid don't or, you have a clip for Carl Sagan talking about these things that could be living in the gases of yeah, Venus or just, another Yeah, just planet. an interesting anecdote, but it's just funny, like so many of these seem to pop up when we are looking into these topics, you know? Yeah. Eventually it's like, oh my God. So personal too. It's it's hard it's to like explain. Dream. It's like dreams. Like no one cares unless it happens to you. Yeah, it's right hard now. to explain how amazing they can be sometimes. And how visceral it feels. Importantly, seem, right. you know, like it's very, yeah, they're very unique to the very individual. Very personal. But when they happen consistently over and over again in your life, it you gets to a point where you're just like, okay, is this uh, the matrix? Yeah. Or are we living in some sort of a dream? You know, I, I get the argument that like, oh, you're just seeing this stuff and you're seeing these patterns because you're starting to focus on a topic. Yeah. But the thing with that is, I don't think that I've seen many sky sky right. jellyfish things in it's my rare, life. I mean, I've never even like heard a bunch of it in a row. until we started talking about it like a week or two Right, ago. we started looking into it. And then, you know, Jeremy's thing with the sky well stuff, two things I'd watched on TV happened to have sky rolls or sky jellies in it. And this, the one, this one's- Yeah, I don't think there's all that much content out there that even exactly. is related. You see like recommendations for movies for, you know, you happen to hear a commercial about something. Right. A lot of the stuff now is just fed to us based on like what we're talking about and interested right. in. So that's the that's technocracy true. eating our brains and replacing fate with manufactured synchronicity for profit. 
So, well, before we go to break, did you want to do a Yeah, we're going to do, um, this is Nicole Desiree, our good friend, Nicole. All right. Thank you for being a patron. John, this idea came from the fact that Nicole is a tarot card reader. Mm-hmm. So we thought it'd be fun to do a uh, sort of a, uh, not quite tarot, but I mean, you'll get, you'll get the reference. It's a seance sort yeah. of situation. Lock your doors. Draw the circle. We are gathered here tonight to communicate with any spirit or being that would like to communicate with us. Are there any spirits that would like to send a message? Any spirits at all in this room right now that would like to communicate and deliver a message? I give you permission to use this vessel as a means to deliver your message. I'll never do that. Now is the time. Show us that you're here. She for real? <laughs> oh shit. That's it. Yes. Come forth and tell us your name. Tell us why you're here. Give us answers. What is your name being? This is crazy. <laughs> Great Belief Hope Podcast. Nice. <laughs> I would like to deliver a message to a young woman named Nicole Desiree. I, being the great and powerful being that I am, would like to thank Nicole for her long-term patronage. <laughs> She's a very generous young woman, and it takes much to humble such a great spirit such as myself the masterful belief hole. <laughs> if anyone else would like to sign up, uh, you can definitely go to beliefhole.com and hit the Patreon button. And that'd be great. <laughs> that is all. I leave you now. <gasps> I love that he plugged himself. Yeah. That was great. Well done. Is that... Oh. That's in. <laughs> Creepy, mysterious. The great and powerful belief hole sounds a lot like the alien from our patron commercial. Well, I think I leave you now. Yeah, I think that I leave you now is yeah. what, something that he says. Right. Yeah. I like the personification of the belief hole into like a entity. That was your idea. That was my idea. That's why you like it. I was going to take credit for that. <laughs> I was just going to say I liked it. Yeah. No, that was really good, John. Yeah, it was it good. Was, I liked all the cynical uh, people that are yeah, attending this like, seance in the background. It was just like a group of young people that just didn't believe it. Yeah, come on, lady. It was very creepy. By the way, you kids at home, do not try to summon the belief hole or any other entity. <laughs> you can summon us by sending an email or a Facebook message. But yeah. Well, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to wrap up the episode by covering one of the coolest encounters and terrifying encounters with these jellyfish-like UFOs in Petrosavusk. Not sure if that's pronounced correctly. Um, so in the in 1980s during the Cold War or the warmish Cold War, uh, we're going to cover that and then we're going to touch on that Tether video and that'll pretty much wrap up the episode. But stick around because this is some of the best stuff in the episode. And I want to mention here real quick, this next break, we're probably going to drop a little preview of the uh, upcoming Patreon episode that we'll be releasing after we release this. Yeah. And what are you going to be talking about, Cher, in the Patreon episode? Uh, it's going to be on the, you guys heard of the Illuminati card game? I've heard it referenced, but I don't really know much about it. It looks fun. It looks fun to play. It's like predictive programming it's, yeah, sort of it's thing. Steeped deep in the idea of predictive programming. A lot of predictions inside that game, allegedly. So this is more conspiracy less paranormal. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway, I think with the word Illuminati in it is right. either conspiracy or a piece of clothing from Jay Z. 
But um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. We'll play a preview here coming up, guys. So if you like it and you want to hear some more, go to uh, beliefhold.com, click the Patreon button, sign up for the expansion pack tier. Five bucks a month. Only five bucks a month right now. And uh, do that if you're interested and you will get an extra episode every time we release a regular episode. Yeah, so. if you do love the show, you, you're really only getting half of the show nowadays. Because yeah. we really do just as high intensity episodes for patrons. And high I, intensity. honestly, like I, the past couple patron episodes we've done, they're kind of my favorite of the season so far. Yeah. At Way least sell it. Chris. At least the, uh, yeah, they're pretty the Skinwalker. Good. Well, the Skinwalker, Skinwalker is pretty great. Last week's was pretty delicious. And Mikhail and Bembe, I got to say, we can be a little more chill, a little more And we're warmed ourselves. up too. They yeah. ended up being the second recording of the day. So might crack a beer open for the second recording. And um, yeah. so if you guys want to have some fun, with help us, us keep going. Cause this is a lot of work. We love doing it and we want to keep growing and reaching more people. So. Absolutely. Want to do this full time for you guys. what you love. Put out more shows for you guys. So uh, hit us up at believable.com. All right. We'll be back after the break. So when I first saw these cards, and you guys might be familiar out there with them, the basic idea is there's a, this card game out there, and a number of these cards seem to predict certain events in our history, major events, including assassinations, catastrophes, everything that you would, might consider some hidden cabal Illuminati elite would be behind controlling for whatever Twin towers. purposes. Twin Towers, thank you. That's a very important one. Pentagon. 9-11, Pentagon. And again, there's a lot of ways you could explain these cards, right? but you can't ignore the fascination with them. Anyone who looks at these is going to be like, that is bizarre. In this context, he's actually said that he believed he was in contact with entities at one point. Oh, interesting. And he was involved with, it sounded like, the work with Crowley and that kind of stuff and potentially contacting Ooh. entities and that sort of thing. And he said, he admitted later it might have been hallucinations potentially, but he believed he was in contact at the time. So he is involved in some of those things. And if you, if you do get information from the other side, and we know that there are these mischievous, or we, we believe that there could definitely be these mischievous entities, these things. Right. Who knows what ideas you have that you're presenting. You may not even be aware of. Right. You know, his books captured the minds of the, the game creator. And the game creator went on to create this game. And the game itself has some pretty fascinating imagery. Right. There could be a, a puppet just pulling all these strings, something, some force. Right. And that's a, what a lot of people do argue is it's more of a spiritual, metaphysical, yeah. other Regardless of what the original author meant, you know. I think everyone has that feeling at a certain point, if you pay attention to enough things, it just seems that things are not right. Right. You know, how does it get this way? Absolutely. And the skeptics would say, oh, well, that's the sign of a weak mind where you, you're sub subjected to conspiracy pareidolia, you know, where you look for patterns and you blindly follow them into the dark, you know? Right. And now it's everywhere. Like I have a, a close friend that has a daughter that just bought a pair of basketball shoes that has the all-seeing flaming <laughs> eye on the box of the shoes. Yeah. And it's like... Is it in a pyramid? Yes. It's a pyramid and then the all-seeing eye. Oh What's gosh. the brand? Is it? But it's like, you know, she's an eight-year-old girl. Well, that's... Well, how, but how, again, how much of that is like, I'm a brand, I want to make money, I'm going to use this super popular and hip-hop culture. Why? I want to put on my shoe, more people Why? buy it. I mean, we have to look at the questions of the influence of these icons and symbolism throughout time. Why is it still around? Why are there these things that hold favor for all this time? And that's, you know, that clues a lot of people why into... Why is it on the dollar bill? Why is it on the dollar bill? I mean, that links back to the idea of like, is there a group behind the scenes? And this would obviously point to some level of involvement with the Freemasons because it's Freemason iconography and symbolism. 
but we know that the founding fathers and the uh, symbolism on the dollar bill and where that comes from. But this goes way back, right? This is where the paranormal connects to the cult and the conspiracy. The shadow people, the dogmen, these, these entities that feed off energy and fear, adrenochrome. And then we have dark stories and whistleblowers on the elite doing similar things. There's this cross connection if you want to believe in that dark side of this cabal running things from behind the scenes that it might not be Carl Rove and Dick Cheney, you know, it's a deeper uh, connective tissue that is maybe puppeting people from another place. Yeah. Influencing people for Influencing, sure. Yeah. We're back. And we're back, guys. Glad to Welcome. be here. Hi. Hope you enjoyed your break. Come on, get off down, get get down off your skyway. Remember that one time, Jeremy, you told <laughs> me to have a good shower? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I lived in infamy. Yeah, for a said. long time. Have a good shower. I'm sorry. Like, hey, such a weird thing hey, to... Hey, brother, have a good shower. I yeah. was. I looked up to you back then. Back yeah, this then. Was, this was years and years ago. You were, I, you know, you were my older brother hero. And I was like, hey, just have, one brother have I'm a just having such shower. a good time. You invited me to Canada to hang out with you while you're going to school for that sound was design. That way, way before that. No, that's when it was. You remember? Yeah, I remember that was in your apartment Oh, that was in there. Canada? I said it to you more than once. It's I possible. think it's customary to wish your older brother a good shower on days where he might need it. That, when, that was when I knew you were a true man. Thank you. I know. I've <laughs> well, grown since then. You know, I no is, longer wish people silly blessings. It is customary. It is this customary is to wish people a good shower in Petrosavutsk. What is that, Chris? Oh, you guys know. Did you see that face he just made? <laughs> Super like mischievous. That was so cheesy. <laughs> I know, that's why I did it. Yeah, I'm so clever face. Petrosavusk is where that experience of that terrifying giant jelly-like fish creature happened uh, in the 1980s. Way to tie mentioned. it back in, man. Is that true that they really do have a customary shower blessing? I mean, they might. I hope they but do. The reason that was so funny is because me and me and a couple of their friends used to, they used to, used to be like, your brothers are so nice. It's weird. Oh, yeah. Well, we are nice. I know. But They're like, because you're a dick, but your brothers are so <laughs> no, nice. No, no, no. I mean, you were like over the top friendly. friendly. We're friendly people. Yeah, yeah, you are. But back then, I mean, it was like this joke. And I was like, you never believe my brother did to me today. He, <laughs> he wished me a good shower. That's hilarious, man. <laughs> it's funny because uh, I uh, I worked at a, well, I've worked at several pizza places as a pizza locational engineer. Delivering, Deliver guy. Delivering pizza pizzas. Pizza locational places. engineer. <laughs> um, and on a resume. The one place I worked at in Westerville, Jet's Pizza, um, one guy came up to me finally, and he was like, finally. I don't know if he'd been building <laughs> this up or not. I hope he, he comes up and, and talks like, to me. He's like, don't take this the wrong way, but uh, are you are you gay? I was like, no. He's like, are you a, are you a pastor? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, you're just so nice. I was like, you know, I, I did what was asked of me. I was friendly, but I didn't like overly talk to people. Or, did I you kept wish myself. people a good shower? Did you wish people good deliveries? Uh, no, I didn't talk to people much. I, I, mean, I smiled, you know, maybe, maybe I smiled like a gay pastor. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> a gay but, uh, pastor. but I, I was told that I look like the guy from, uh, Walking Dead. Unrelated. Well, he was a badass. So I feel like that yeah. kind of balances it out. Was he? He fought slow moving, non-real creatures. One guy came up to me and was like, you remind me of the guy from Walking Dead. Cause you're, you're obviously a leader. Um, <laughs> and, you're obviously and you're so nice. I want to be with you in a zombie apocalypse. You gay pastor. That's a great story. <laughs> Great story. <laughs> Have a good shower. Anyways, back to a sky jellyfish. Let's hop on our sky jellies and head on over to Petch Petrovotsk. Petrovotsk. Thank you, John. You're welcome. Um, the report I'm going to read is from Michael Hessman, and he was a German journalist and author. In the late 1980s, he became known in Germany as an author of several books on UFOs and extraterrestrial visitations on Earth. This initially came out in a local paper. 
Um, and then there, it was, it caused such an uproar that there was a Russian investigation. And this report we're going to read here comes from Michael Hessman's account of this in, entire event. It happened on September 20th, 1977. Early risers in Petrosovutsk, the capital of the Karelian Autonomous Soviet Republic, saw a bright light suddenly appearing amid the clouds at about 4.05 in the morning. The star-like light came nearer and descended in a spiral trajectory and soon looked like a ball of fire. It then reduced its speed and finally hovered for about six minutes in one spot. If anyone had not noticed it before, they noticed it now, for it made a terrible noise like the howling of a siren. The howling stopped and the object started moving silently towards the town. Soon it looked like a reddish-orange hemisphere surrounded by a bright zone in which there were many points of light-like stars that twinkled and disappeared. The light began to pulsate. A beam of light came out like a telescope from the bottom of the object, vertically downwards, followed by a second, less bright beam. After a time, both the beams disappeared. During the next few seconds, hundreds of thin rays of light, like thin arrows, were showered upon the Earth. People who had, until then, watched the spectacle fascinated, now broke into a panic. They ran around the streets, throwing themselves to the ground. Some workers in the harbor thought it was an American nuclear attack and shouted, this is the end! TASS correspondent Nikolai Milov, who interviewed hundreds of people soon afterwards, said, People looked as if they had suddenly become sick. They gave the impression of being mentally disturbed. People who had been sleeping said that, at this moment, they had been suddenly awakened and had an unpleasant feeling. Some suffered from nightmares and depressions. Most of them said that they had felt electric currents inside themselves. The thing now looked like a big jellyfish with golden tentacles, shining in beautiful colors. The white glow around the hemisphere had now shrunk to a shining ring. The beams of light came down to earth in a slight curve. They drilled thousands of holes in the asphalt and in window panes. Some of the people estimated the diameter of the object to be about 300 feet. They said that it came down closer and closer and finally hovered above the harbor. By now it was shining so brightly that it hurt the eyes to look at it. Then a smaller and brighter object in the shape of an electric bulb detached itself from the jellyfish and flew over the roofs and between the houses along the street. Some of the people claimed to have seen this bulb returning to its mothership and disappearing into it. A doctor said that while he was looking at the object, his car had broke down. The air was filled with the smell of ozone. Oh, there it is, that smell. The thing finally moved over a lake and burned a red hole in a bank of clouds and disappeared into it. The whole show had lasted for about 12 minutes. Pretty intense. Yeah. I don't know how I've never heard of that account. When was this again? Not 18... 1980s. Know what? Yeah. It does remind me of the Mar Island incident. What were the little beams of thingies? Oh, those the tentacle type things are coming? These golden... Did they say thousands or hundreds? Yeah. Hundreds of thin rays of light. Did it hurt anybody? Yeah, so that's the thing. It came through and apparently it burned holes in car windshields and uh, apartment building windows, windows and a lot of glass. Did I didn't anybody? find any reports of it actually killing anybody. Although... But it was making people sick, apparently. At the time, the Russians were pretty adept at hiding unfortunate accidents. Yeah, and the it, they probably wouldn't have told anybody anyway, because it could have been an attack or... Right, right. and that's that's why they put out this big investigation, because they, mm. were, they were certain something had happened, and they wanted to make sure it wasn't an enemy, like the Americans. Thousands of people saw this? Yeah, 
the, the, the city was 180,000. It was a highly populated area that this thing came down right. over. Um, it was four in the morning, so, you know, no. less traffic than normal. But yeah, after this, a bunch of people had written to the authorities asking, is it safe to leave the city? Is it safe to travel? And all these letters were eventually confiscated by higher officials from all these authorities because they wanted to silence this entire event. Right. Further references to the topic were forbidden. But yeah, they did have this report. They did have this investigation. Um, so I thought, I thought this part was interesting. Vasil Sakraninko, the publisher of the magazine Technique and Youth, who had good connections with government sources, said, quote, The Commission of Academy of Sciences has found that the holes in the stones and window panes give the impression that the glass has been melted. The holes are the size of a coin. The window of a factory in Petrosovutsk, perforated in such a way, were sent to Moscow for analysis. The results of the analysis were given out only towards the end of 1981. And that comes from Dr. V.G. Azaza. Azaza <laughs> during a lecture. Um, so we'll, we'll link to this study and we'll link to... Um, so this sky fish is dangerous. Yeah, this one specifically. Although, yeah, I didn't see any reports about actual deaths, but who knows if they kept that secret. No. You know, you wouldn't want to... You know, like the, like the cosmonauts like who burned up in space you don't hear about, like the first woman in space allegedly, or they think because they heard those cries. Yeah, sad story. Those sort of... Um, radio communications. Radio pirates that were picking up signals. Two brothers, I forget their names, but yeah. interesting story about them. But yeah, they heard the cries of this cosmonaut woman, they thought, speaking she in Russian burning. and burning alive. So like any major government entity, you're going to keep stuff a secret that you don't, you can't quite explain to your citizens. Right. Um, and obviously it's a bigger deal if there are casualties. So if right. you don't want much follow-up, maybe you shuttle those away, pay off victims' families, or just disappear them altogether. Right. That's all conjecture, by the way. Uh, when it comes to the study that happened, there was a rocket launch at the same time, far away from the city. There was initial thought, like, could this have something to do with the rocket launch? So after they did this big investigation, they found before this rocket was even launched, so maybe in response to this thing, there were sightings of it traveling across the Northern Hemisphere. So after they did this study, they found that regardless of what it was, they were at least able to trace the route of the mysterious object almost without a gap. From 3.06 a.m., police officers in the Finnish capital Helsinki had reported sighting, quote, a bright ball of fire, which hovered over the airport for four minutes and then moved eastwards. This was also confirmed by the radar at the control tower of Helsinki Airport. A little later, an author 20 miles northwest of Petrosovutsk saw it through his telescope. What is He that? described the UFO as a lens-shaped object shining violet and surrounded by a shining ring. It had bright pulsating rays of light coming out of it, quote, like tentacles of a medusa or jellyfish. At 3.30 a.m., a fisherman near Primosk saw a bright light in the sky which was surrounded by a kind of haze. At 4 a.m., employees of an observatory, and it goes on and on, basically until it gets to the city. A lot of different city. sightings so they can track it kind of moving in this direction. Right, all right? describing this jelly-like... That's not a failed rocket launch. Right. Is this the real photo or is this an yeah, artist rendition? Yeah, that's a real photo, John. Did you see whoa, that? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold the phone, hold the phone. This is a supposed photo taken of the jellyfish. That looks so fake. Does it, John? Kind of does it look fake? <laughs> it kind of looks like it a, does. It looks very fake. It does look, look like a painting, kind of, doesn't it? Are you sure that's a photograph? Let me check. Reverse image search. Double check the origin. I mean, it could just be a really old photograph. Back when things used to look like paintings. <laughs> <laughs> but when I was researching, I had done sufficient work to believe that it was a real oh, photograph. Yeah, I'm not let, me, let me double check your, here your again, process. Because I want to make sure that it 
This Illuminati card game stuff looks pretty interesting. Get out of there, John. I'm just previewing. No, dude. I want your reactions. Get out, please. I want your reactions. Chris has seen them already. over here. Oh, look at naked girls or something. I don't like to do that. Don't peek ahead at the content. I read along with the story. I lost place. Because <laughs> you, you should look at the screen. <laughs> All right. From what I could tell, it's a real picture. Um, but any listeners out there, double check. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's actually an image from this event. Okay, it'll be in the show notes, guys. It'll under the Petrosavusk incident. Yeah, we'll also have some pretty other interesting photos in there. Now, what we can look at is the NASA video. Did you want to look at that, John, or how are you yeah, feeling over I, there? I was waiting for this for a long time. It's the big <laughs> God, cherry it's like on top. Preschooler. Yeah, well, I've been sitting in my magic carpet square for an hour and a half. <laughs> I'm square. ready for the fun. Yeah, this this is one thing I'm fascinated by, the tether incident. And I'm fascinated by it for a lot of reasons. Um, I tend to believe that space is not as we know it. I think that it is made up of... This is Jeremy speaking, by the way. Yes, thank you. Clarification, Chris. <laughs> Clarification, Chris. This... I, I mean, it's my personal belief. I don't know. I, mean, I obviously admit that I don't know anything for sure. You but believe it or you're open-minded to I, it? He has reservations about normal things. I, yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm open because I just disbelieve what we've been told about space. And there's a lot of compelling evidence to show that it's not what we think it is. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I just don't necessarily believe what NASA is telling us about it. I have a lot of reasons to be skeptical about what they say. But this video that came out is fascinating, supposedly uh, from a shuttle or the ISS. I think it's a shuttle, isn't it? think it's the ISS. Okay, but a tether breaks off and it's a certain size, this tether. And as it floats away, these things start swarming around the tether. And if, if the size is true, what they're telling us about this thing, if they are up in this ether somehow, like, well, that's what I would say, but if they're up in space, if you're a regular person, uh, they, um, they measure the tether and then you can measure the, the size of these pulsing, glowing, amoeba-like right. jellyfish-colored creatures. And these things, honestly, I believe, I mean, I, you look at these things up close and then you look at stars up close and telescopes. And I think there is a connection personally. I think that stars aren't what we think they are. And when you look at those up close, it has the same kind of undulating watery look to them. But what's interesting and stars aside, cause this is a whole yeah, episode. Sorry. But, um, can worms closed in this video, these things look just like how Trevor James Constable was describing his idea of these sorts of things where he said that they were bio life forms that enter a spectra of visible light and they appear rapidly moving, pulsing. Yeah. And if you look at the images and you compare the images of these things around the tether and compare it to the infrared image that James Constable took, pretty similar if you're going to go with a, a shape. Oh, so the black and white one here, we'll have in the show notes, that's... It looks like an amoeba. Exactly. That's James Constable, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, then they would refer to these things as kind of like amoebas in the sky, like gigantic ones. Um, and then the, the blue ones here in the picture are from NASA. Can we actually see the video? Yeah, let's, let's pull up the video. We'll link this video in the show notes, guys. Three, two, one, play. Columbia and the satellite now 77 nautical miles apart. Oh, it's Columbia. Okay, it's a shuttle. Reporting that uh, the crew can see the tether and uh, see the satellite. That it's beautiful. So there's this long rod-looking thing, which is the tether, and then all of a sudden these glowing things start to come out. They're illuminated by the sun, so that's why they're glowing, but you start to see they're, they're moving in different directions. And the... the um, this view uh, showing... Uh, swarming. They're, they're all like kind of stopping as they're talking about it, because I think they're like, what is happening? They're trying to figure it out. Yeah. I don't even know what we're looking that at. Light? That's a tether released what from the it? shuttle. Again, oh, uh, just okay. moving into sunrise. And it's supposed to be it's like... miles long. Extremely long, which would make... one nautical miles now from Columbia. What are those things moving? That's what we're talking about. 
They don't know what any of that stuff is? No, okay, later they say it, they think it's debris. But but the problem is sometimes they're moving in different directions. They're stopping, they're changing directions. And sometimes they move behind the tether. Yeah. It looks like what you would see in a bloodstream of a human being. Yeah, doesn't it? It looks like an ether, like a liquid out there. I'm telling you guys, space is different. But look at the shape of these things. There are these frisbee-like things moving at different it speeds. Like if it was cells, if it was debris, exactly. they would all. Be, if it was debris, it'd all be going in the same direction. I would, have, or at least out the and same. And it direction. seems to be moving incredibly fast. Yeah, but some are slow and some stop. Yeah, and some stop and then change direction. You said that thing's miles long. Yeah. So some of these things, if they're passing behind the tether, they would be hundreds and hundreds of feet. They like that one. They would be gigantic. Yeah. And they're moving like at hundreds of miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Right. What you're seeing. Well, the long line is uh, is a tether, um, and uh, see that one going slow underneath it. Yeah, it's hovering. Yes, they're calling it a debris right now. Look at that pulsing right there. There's the pulsing one. Another pulsing one. Copy that. Yeah, some are pretty incredible. Some I, mean, I mean, what in the hell is this? Yeah, right? This is supposed to be space? Uh-huh. I have never seen anything like this. In Look at that. Wait, okay, watch this one. Look at this guy. Look at like a beacon. Columbia and the satellite to now. It looks like biological mm -hmm. microscopic organisms, but this is supposed to be on a much grander scale. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, these look a lot like stars close up when you look what at What are these people thinking? Like NASA, they're even commenting on this? They're saying it's debris. Debris is floating with us. debris looks like that? I know. And moves like that. I mean, obviously, the their uh, explanation for it would be... That is a Petri dish. Look at that guy. Pulsing out his little... It's like he's procreating. Look at that one. Yeah. He's pulsing his little, little belly. Look at that. Houston, that's a much better view. He's like, meow, 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 meow. It's a little Pac-Man with a tongue sticking that's, out. That's about three minutes into the video that we're laughing at right now, the little Pac-Man guy, little ping-pong. Much wider strength. That is not debris. That's a that's a, that's an alive organism. Look, there's another one. It's just like the other one. Changing direction. They're changing shape. They're changing... three of them. There's infrared images that... James Trevor Constable taking it looks just to like be that space. stuff. Space. Yeah. I mean, it could be. Sp I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's not space necessarily, but what are these things around this tether? You know. What is a tether? A tether is a long cord. Yeah, like to connect like the shuttle to something and it else. Got, they released it. Why did they release? Because they like to throw space junk out. <laughs> they might fall back to Earth. It was heavy. Should I stop it? Yeah. Do you want to stop the video? We can stop it. Oh, it's when the alien comes out. Oh, wait, wait, I'm wait, just kidding. Wait. I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> just like, wait, what? Um, but whether you know, if we can even trust that NASA is telling us the truth about this video, that was a really strange video. Uh, have you ever, you ever seen that before? No. You you see that it's the spacewalks when they do. Um, and this I know this is put on your caps for a second and just consider. And I'm not saying that this isn't really in space or whatever space is, but uh, it doesn't feel like it to me. Right. So they do tests, right? Or they train astronauts underwater. Right, uh -huh. they'll have complete replicas of the space station or whatever different aspects of the, what's up there, and they have uh, astronauts down there doing their work in practice. Right, um, but there's been footage shown that is I think is really compelling of uh, the space station where they're supposedly doing a spacewalk, and behind them you can see uh, someone just barely peeking through uh, a porthole or going into a porthole with a scuba tank on. Like a diver, oh. like support, like a cameraman. Right. I mean, that's uh, a whole episode. I know right? what I'm saying is like there, there is an argument out there because we should touch on it because we, we do conspiracy. The idea that some of the stuff is filmed underwater and it's not real. Like the Mars footage supposedly that 
might be actually filmed in Greenland. Right. Yeah, uh, definitely interesting ideas about you know just falsified image. And we talked. We did the moon landing. Doesn't episode. necessarily that mean that space isn't real. I'm not saying it's not real. You always say that. I'm saying we don't necessarily know what it is. Right. And if we can't get there, maybe we fake it sometimes. Yeah. Or maybe it's plausible. Maybe we have got. I think some even some people that believe in flat Earth would consider that. Space is real. They're just not telling us what it is. And maybe we're up there in some kind of floating capacity in the firmament or something. Maybe you know, we like, are in the stomach of a giant sky whale. Maybe that's the universe. Maybe it's all simulation on the back of a tortoise. Could be. It's all completely possible. What do you guys think out there? Am I crazy? Uh, this I is just, Jeremy. I'm crazy. Go start Jeremy's Crazy Corner. Okay? Jeremy's Crazy Corner. And then you'll be safe, Chris, I mean, in, I, your, I, in your box of mainstream. <laughs> swim around, oh, mainstream. Swim around mainstream jellyfish. Talk about sky bees. Yeah, oh, so dangerous. <laughs> so controversial. I'm not I'm not not main mainstream. I'm not not <laughs> I don't know, I just like to I like to keep things a little ground like not just Grounded. only look at one side of a conversation. I'm not I'm not but I'm, I didn't say if you you're were. afraid to talk like if I mention, you know, some different idea of space, you know, you got to clarify. No, but every time I mention anything you're like, well, you know, I do have to throw in the flat earth theory here when we're talking because about Because I am so hesitant because you roll your eyes every time I mention something. I do not roll my eyes. Afraid of. You rolled your eyes. When? You practically in- rolled your whole body. Huh? When did I roll my eyes? No, not not maybe directly rolled your eyes, but you rolled it in my soul and emotionally. Uh, you'll either roll your eyes or you'll do that eye freeze where like you you're <laughs> you're seeing a, a bear or something and you're in danger and you're like, no, don't say it. Anyway, are you done? I'm done, guys. That was my little tirade. <laughs> that will spurn our. I next- would say space is a very very strange topic, and I don't think we know most of what's really yeah, happening. It's a mysterious lover, a mysterious lover indeed. And that's why we're talking about it in the belief hole. Absolutely. This is a place for the weird guys. There, there are some things uh, we didn't get to. I'll put things in the show notes like uh, this great image in the Aurora Borealis where a photographer had taken pictures and it looks just like in color jellyfish in the sky. We'll post that in the show notes. We won't cover this, but it was in the news in 2010 because they're like, what is that? I mean, it's probably a satellite was their guess, but they're not <laughs> sure. That looks just like... Jellyfish. A jellyfish. Anyway, interesting stuff. Um, I did want to say one last thing. A lot of you out there are familiar with Kenneth Arnold. He coined the term flying saucer, right? Yeah, he had that ex- that experience at Mount Rainier in Washington in the 1950s, I believe. 40s. Was it the 40s? Or 50s? It was before Roswell. Right. Oh, yeah, 1940s, where he said he saw these saucer-like craft skipping over the water. But in the drawings, they look like manta ray. Yeah. So he got really into ufology after this experience. The rest of his life, he looked into this. So after years of looking into this stuff, he concluded that UFOs are living things. This is what Kenneth Arnold thought. Really? You never hear that part of the story. Because I think researchers brush it under the rug because they weren't familiar with the idea, so they weren't comfortable with the idea. So when you hear things like the the person who coined the term flying saucer believed that they were living things, he called them uh, the fauna of the atmosphere. Uh, and he said, Arnold, Arnold said that one pilot had told him that he was approached in flight by what he called a, quote, rayfish, larger than his plane, oh. like a manta ray, and that the edges of its wings rippled like those of a manta ray. Like, huh. That's crazy, because you never hear that, you know, because I think you, ufologists have kind of swept this whole idea under the rug. Well, yeah. it could be both, too. It doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's, I think it's a combination. I don't think everything, we, a triangular metal-looking craft where you see portholes right. of people waving. Yeah. Like, that's obviously something other than... I think it's easy to want to put everything into a single box, right. and obviously there are, could be different explanations for what we're seeing. Which is why I think they scratched this. It's just like the Bigfoot stuff. Could it possibly be connected to uh, UFOs? Could it be something other dimensional or... Or metaphysical, people in the Bigfoot community, a lot of them don't want to talk about that right. because it, it's not as clear cut. It's harder to understand and identify. And it's, so it's just, it's messy. They want a clean answer. And it's the same yeah. with the UFO and the biology of the atmospheric entities that might be up there. 
No, but that's interesting. This is Kenneth Arnold's actual sketches of what he saw. Isn't that the guy from the Wonder Years? Kenneth, Kenneth Arnold? Arnold? Yeah. What's the matter, Arnold? You need another delivery of jock straps? <laughs> okay, very funny, Panetti. Fred Savage? Isn't there? Oh, like the kid's name? Yeah. I don't know. Kenneth Arnold. Google that. Doesn't sound like this is important. Look this up. Um, yeah, I never saw his actual sketches. They look like uh, man rays. That reminds me, we didn't get to play that clip of uh, that 1970s, I think it was 70s cartoon, John, Sky Whales. Oh, yeah. There's a scene where they're dragging this creature in the sky and it looks like a, like a gigantic man ray floating. Yeah. That's such a weird. Guys, you just, well, I'm going to look at this show notes. We're not going to play it, but it is so bizarre and awesome. It's a science fiction short called uh, Sky Whales, and it is bizarre. But it's awesome. Yeah, I would yeah. recommend it. So at the at the end of this, I think it's definitely an interesting, huge topic that I never considered before. I heard about it a couple of years ago, but didn't really start digging into it. I didn't know week. it goes this deep. Yeah, we didn't have time to get too deep in the hole on this one. Um, it, it is. It is. Yeah, we deep. did. We went pretty deep. We told some stories there, but there's a lot. Obviously, I mean, any of the topics we talk about, I feel like you could have like a week long episode. Yeah, of, maybe someday we'll we'll do some parters. Yeah, it's funny because people always ask it. What do you What do you do? Oh, podcast or what? What's your topic? Oh, uh, you know, supernatural, paranormal, conspiracy. conspiracy. And they're like, aren't you going to run out of ideas? It's like, man, the world is so weird. If you only knew. If you think the sky is big, <laughs> five million times the Earth's oceans, dude. Yeah, this stuff goes on yeah, forever. Dude. Yeah, dude. The hole goes deep, guys. So thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us on this dive into the Earth's atmosphere of newness. Atmosphere of newness. <laughs> Welcome. Title for the episode. No, thank you guys for checking it out. Hope you enjoyed our third episode of our second season. And, Welcome, um, new listeners, if uh, you're new to the show. If you're new to the show, thanks for checking us out, and we hope you dig it. Hope you yeah. dig the hole. Stick around, uh, those of you who are patrons and have the... Expansion. Expansion pack. Not stick around. You have to... Yeah. Well, you got to go there. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, we got two stingers up to play too. Okay. Okay. Before we go, before we say goodbye to you guys, yeah, we, we got a couple stingers we want to do. John, who who we got? We're going to do um, Lauren B. Okay. Yeah. If you guys sign up to be a Thunder Buzzard and get your custom stinger, just let us know if we can use your last name. And also let us know if you want us to do it on something that you like or, you know, just yeah. some information. Any information helps helps John come up with ideas for, the, right. for these. So, so this is uh, something for Lauren <laughs> for Lauren thank you Lauren hello Lauren B <laughs> I have been sent by the Beliefful team to give you a warm thank you for signing up to be a patron some Johnny Five with a cold <laughs> patrons are very special people that Aww. have access to Beliefful's extra shows I know they are very very grateful to Lauren for supporting the show and helping them grow to be able to reach more people Yes, I wish I was a person that was special. Being a robot is hard, but I'm grateful that I have such wonderful masters. They are so smart and handsome. It makes my job a little easier. Not wrong. Maybe one day I'll become a real person and get to become a patron. Anyways, have a great 2020, Lauren. And I will now do my robot dance. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I want an animation to this. <laughs> Goodbye. That was great, man. That's great.
I love the best part about that was that he still has to pay the people he works for to get their content. <laughs> I wish I could be real so I could be a patron. Did you hear him when he says so I could beget to come a patron? Beget I He's it. just learning. I said that accidentally. It's wrong, machine right? learning. No, it was good. Thank you for getting that robot to do that, John. That was, does she like robots? Is that why you did it? Or no, just an idea? Just, she does now. She does now. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. And we got one more. This one is for Angie C. Oh, Angie C. Awesome. Okay. She's been around for a long time. I think Lauren has too. Yeah, both of them. we're catching up. A lot of these people send up in really like loyal patrons. We thank you for sticking with us as we work through this backlog. Yeah, thank you guys so much. This one's a, a little more serious, but it wasn't supposed to be, but it came out. Sounds like it's, serious? It's, it's a song. Did so. you fall in love, John? Is I feel like happened? I fell in love with her when I wrote this. Okay, let's hear it. Angie. Oh. You are the best thing around. <laughs> it's you make the sun come up. And down. Oh, oh that'll be good. <laughs> and go down. Oh, there it is. It's <laughs> great. Oh, yeah. You took the time to get in the hole. And now <laughs> we thank you and your beautiful soul. Oh. Hugs from your friends. <laughs> down in the leaf hole. Nice. Great. That was, I got kind of the teary that made me want to start dating again. <laughs> it's very emotional. I know. I usually like, try to cut emotions off in life, and you just totally took me by you surprise. You sound like you're going to cry, Chris. <laughs> it was a lot to hear. That was, that was good. I liked it. Uh, hugs from your friends down in Belico. I just picture, it reminds me of like. Hugs from your friends. It reminds me of like the season finale of Cheers. Like the bar's <laughs> yeah. closing. Like we're all down Sad. in Belico just like waving. Hugs yeah. from They're like, Lico. we all died. Yeah. We're in our hole. Thank you, Lauren. That was good. Or no, thank you, Angie. Angie. Angie and Lauren. Thank you guys you. are great. Thank you for your long lasting patronage. Yeah. Yes. And anybody that wants to sign up and get an extra episode right now, right here Do on it. the Illuminati card game, predictive programming, all kinds of conspiracy. And if you're already an expansion belief holder, head on over to Patreon and the uh, Illuminati will be waiting for you with a game to play. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting, guys. We're going to get into some interesting stuff. Cool. Cool. Anyways, guys, thank you so much Thanks for being for hanging here. hanging out with us today. Hope you dug it. Have a good 2020. Watch the skies. Stay undercover. Have a good 2020, sounds like. I just mean have a good year since it's just starting. Have a good year with us because we'll be here with you. 2020, the year the sky creatures invaded. Yes. Thank you, Chris. Or we all get perfect vision clarity. Oh, I get it. <laughs> well, that was good. All right, guys, we will catch you next time on Belief Hole. Down in Belief Hole. <laughs> Bye. Bye.